You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. Well, hey, Becoming Me, I am so excited to introduce you to my warrior friend, literally a warrior ninja friend, Nate. Nate, welcome to Becoming Me. Hey, Emily. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be a part of this. I'm so excited to have you here. I kind of wish we had a ninja obstacle course to go through while we were sharing your story, but it's okay. This will have to do. So anyways, I feel like I'm giving some of your story away, even in your intro, because I'm so excited to unpack in our time together. But before we dive into who Nate is, like, why don't you just unpack if someone was like, who is this Nate guy? I've, I've never heard of him before. Like, who is Nate? Who are you? Right on. Well, thanks for letting me share a little bit of my story. I can kick off by saying I describe myself as a well-rounded warrior and playing off the Nate. I, I typically call myself by the title of Illuminate because Matthew 5, 14 and 16. And it, it's funny because you can kind of get the boom cha like I, I do. I like to caffeinate. I like to, I'm passionate. Okay. I got a few of these natisms, but this one, Illuminate, is one of my favorites because in Matthew 5, 14 and 16, Jesus says, you're the light of the world. So let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and, and glorify your father in heaven. So as I've become publicly known as a seven-time American Ninja Warrior, and there's the warrior side, a former college football player, and then got into this other TV show that mixed Survivor, Hunger Games, and Ninja Warrior, put them all together. Crazy challenge that lasted seven months, ended up walking away from that as the grand champion. And so now at, at 36 years old, I get to claim some interesting sports titles and background, but I consider myself a warrior for the the cause of what Jesus has called us to do and be light bearers, be kingdom minded warriors. And and that encompasses many things of what we do. And so I was an engineer for 10 years, got into ministry of sorts now. And I consider myself someone who is just trying to stay on purpose, on mission, be passionate for the gifts, the talents, the time, the ability that I have. And, And as we grow, you know, we talk about becoming me, as I grow in that, I learn more of what God's given me, how to steward and use that well, but then how to remember it's not about me, how to remove myself from the situation of sorts and, and try to be, you know, what God is asking me to be in each situation versus me being a performer or trying to be seen. No yeah. long answer to the question, but I think the the parts that stand out that are unique that now I get invited to podcast for is because I've become known as an American Ninja Warrior. And that's been a 
interesting journey that came really after I showed what, what submission to God looked like and giving my life fully over having like, you know, taking my hands off and saying, I don't know what my life's going to look like up until the, the point of about 26 years old. I had tried to control that, mm-hmm. lived in a lot of gray areas, spiritually speaking, and, and then got to a place of, all right, God, I'm all in. I just, I'll, I'll give you my life. What are you going to call me to do? And wow. What I've, what I've become since then more publicly developed after that, which I had no idea, never thought about being on TV, never really thought I'd have another chance at athletics after a, a crazy injury in college ended most of my athletic career. So there's a, there's a little, you know, some nuggets, there's some things to, so to many, so many questions, Nate, this is awesome. Um, I do have to start off with what college did you play football for? I went to Louisiana tech university okay. and an asterisk or a caveat there. I was walking onto the football team, going through some of the practices, had a, what I would consider what I was told a promising chance to, to make it on. But then I had a crazy injury that ended that. So not related to football, but I had a second and third degree burn on all my legs that put me in the ICU for a month. And I was in a wheelchair for a while, lost a lot of weight, took a while to get where I could walk again. So that's a crazy side story, but wow, you know, in in this process of becoming me, what God's really made a resounding theme in my life is, is taking the adversity that we all experience in life. And I've had plenty of it just like you and, and many others and letting adversity be the activator in your life. You know, realizing when we, when we get our back against the wall, when we get squeezed, what's going to come out. And, and now I've seen where God's refined me, purified me, tested me enough where when I get squeezed, it's like, man, more Jesus comes out yeah. most of the time. Um, you know, I'm still in the refinement process, but learning, learning that, Hey, God, Romans 8, 28, God says he'll work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called or walking according to his purpose. You know, so the Bible has all these great promises. Many of them are conditional and there, there's a role that we play. You know, it's, it's by grace we're saved through faith, not by works. So we don't play a role in our salvation. We receive that freely and that's what changes our identity. And then that empowering grace allows us to go out and and do those good works that we talk about to be an illuminating force in this world, but we're not performing or trying to earn that salvation, earn that place or position with God. And that took me a while to, to understand. But as I learned that, that promise of got to work all situations, the bad ones, the negative ones, the, the disheartening ones, the ones we want to give up on, he can turn that for our good and his glory. And I, I've seen that play out in my life in my twenties and in my thirties. And now it's, it's become a, a little, little easier for me to walk into a tougher season and go relatively speaking easy. You go, okay, this, this doesn't look good. This is frustrating. This is disheartening. God, I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't think you were signing me up for it, but you know, you've been faithful in the past when I've gone through some rough times. So I I know that you never change and I can still claim to that promise that you're going to be faithful. Now you're going to see me through this. And you like that song. I'm going to see a victory by elevation worship. I sing that a lot because I didn't see many victories in my life in, in, in a lot of areas that I was going for. And, and I was like, God, I think that you're in this, but what's, what's happening. So, you know, now that I've gotten some of that experience and, and had some victories, it's like, I, I can see where all things have, have kind of come full circle. And it was all God preparing me, um, refining me, testing me to be, to be more of a voice and a light. And, 
and definitely in more of a public way now, but had many years of preparation in wilderness. So oh, I'll no. kick it back to you. To- so it sounds like, you know, just hearing from your pieces of your story, 10 years ago at 26, you have some sort of an inciting incident where you're like, all right, I'm just going to surrender. God, like this is not unpacking how I thought or wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And you have this moment where you surrender. And then now 10 years later, you're the Nate that we meet today. So like what happened 10 years ago and what was that process of surrender like? Yeah, great question. So I grew up a preacher's kid. Me Small too. Town. Oh yeah, I'm yes. so sorry. <laughs> Maybe it was a great experience. Mom was. <laughs> I think PK is. We just automated. I get you. I definitely get you. Yes. Yeah, highs and lows. You know, um, most of that experience was was good. My dad, my mom, and dad were were people of character and and faith. We were in broken small town communities and. You know, I saw plenty of people like kind of backstab my parents and I saw a lot of hypocrites and I grew up trying to be the, the good person that looked apart, but I was, I don't know that I'd call myself a full hypocrite, but I was definitely like a more religious, like I'm looking the part, but I didn't really understand what a relationship with Jesus was, how it looked. And as I got into the high school world, like I know I didn't go wild, but I also was like somewhat empty in my faith per se. So when I got into college, I was like, man, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. I believe in God, but I don't really know if I like this church environment and it's boring. I'm a person that's adventurous, exciting. I'm ready to see the world. I want to experience new things. So I go off to college and, and start dabbling in the party world and was like, man, drinking and dancing are a lot of fun. And, you know, back in high school, that was, you know, or in the church world, that was hyper a no-no. So I, I loosened up a little bit. Some of that was good. Some of it, obviously with any, any measure of what you'd call sin, it takes you further than you want to go. So I found myself kind of moving down this slippery slope sexually, um, career-wise. Like I'm thinking more about how do I orient my life the way I want it to look like. I'm living for myself. I eventually think that my best path forward is to become an engineer, graduate, get a great job, move to Houston, Texas, and end up making really good money and, and finding some success. And, you know, I'd come from a pretty poor background. So I'm starting to feel like you know, I've matured a lot physically, emotionally, financially, and living life on my terms a bit, get into a, a relationship that I thought, you know, I'm, I'm 25, I'm, I'm ready for marriage, and try to control it a little too much. I remember, in, in a nutshell, basically choosing her because she fit a lot of the things that I was looking for in more of a selfish way, not in a mindset of how does this relationship glorify God and serve a kingdom mission, more important than just fitting what I think I want. And I, as I was going through that process, I grew more and more frustrated with my life, both in the relationship and the career side. And it it all kind of came to an early life crisis boiling point where I I, I saw the, the selfishness in her as a mirror of, of where I was spiritually and selfishly in some of that. And also saw that I don't know that she really wants to grow spiritually. And that's really important to me. Although I don't know how to do that. I don't know what it looks like. I, I still believe in God and I want to grow in these areas. I just don't fully know. And I haven't seen the examples of this. And in the career side, I had a guy that was mentoring me. He was about to retire and he was telling me how it's, it's so worth it to kind of, I wouldn't say sell out, but be all in for your corporate job. Work that until you get to be 65, retire, you're set. Then you go do the things you want. You travel, you do missions, you impact people's lives. You enjoy life, but you got to pay your dues right now and just just grind it out for the next 30, 35 years. And I'm 
I'm kind of going, okay, I mean, yeah, it's good money. I got a good, good career path, but I, I don't really find fulfillment in this. And is this all that there is to life? I can kind of see the next 30 years mapped out. Like I can make this relationship happen. Um, I can make this career thing happen, man, God, is this, is this it? Are you really real? And, and if you are, I want to see some of the stories that I've heard about in the Bible. I want to see some of the things that I've heard people share testimonies on. I want to see that stuff happening. So this all came, came to fruition, not fruition, but came to a head when that mentor retired and then a few months later died randomly in his sleep. And that kind of was like, whoa, that's not the, the path to take in certain elements. I, I had, I just had such a lack of peace in that relationship. I ended up ending it and just kind of be in this spot of, I don't know what I'm doing, God, but if you're real, I need to see it. And I heard a verse Deuteronomy 429 and there God says, if you seek me with all your heart and all your soul, that's where you'll find me. And it, it made my will start spinning a bit. Revelation 316 is the verse where Jesus is saying to the church, I wish you were hot or you were cold, but because you're lukewarm, because you're apathetic, because you're complacent, I can't really use you and I'll spit you out of my mouth. And I realized that in all or, all other facets of my life, I'm a pretty passionate, all-in type person. But in the, the spiritual sense, in pursuing God, I'm like, I'm kind of half in, half out. And those are the results I was seeing. So I, I had a place when it was a real come to Jesus moment in the whole, you know, Christianese stereotype way. I was like, all right, God, I, I don't know what this looks like, but I'm, if you're real, I'm, I'm all in. And I had some crazy moments over the next month, just people randomly walking up to me and giving me some kind of prophetic word or sharing a part of my life. Hey, I feel like God's telling me to tell you this. And I'm like, how in the world did you know that about me? And all these like more charismatic experiences where my Southern Baptist experience was, was more like read the Bible and that's about all you're going to see your experience. Enough things happened spiritually where I was like, man, God is real. And this is crazy. And then I saw some crazy demonic stuff that showed me hey, the enemy's real and there's a spiritual warfare going on. So some of the things I was raised around were all true. And now I'm starting to see them and experience them. And it's, it's almost like that activation. So that led me to being, being like, all right, God, I don't know what it looks like, but my life is yours. I'm all in. And that was the 10 year ago moment where you know, I thought maybe I have to quit my job, move to Africa, being, be a missionary in a mud hut. And I was like, that sounds terrible. But, you know, at this point, I, I've experienced enough of life's highs and successes, and that's still not satisfying. So I'd rather just do what, what God's placed in my heart and, and called me to do and trust that he's going to bring more joy and purpose and passion through that, even if it doesn't look the way I want things to look. And as I, I prayed in that, as I released, you know, my life to God, it was interesting because I didn't. I didn't feel this burden to go do those things. I kind of had a deeper grace to begin operating in my company in a new way. And it all of a sudden I, I started taking off in the corporate world and taking bigger risks because my identity had shifted from me being performing. And I, I'm only going to try something that I know I can succeed at into a place of, and it, it doesn't really matter if I succeed or fail. It's about, am I stepping forward in faith? Am I using what God's given me here? And, and that leads us to taking bigger risk. And so through that process, I kind of went into a, a wilderness season where I unplugged from a lot of my friend groups that were in a, more of a complacent mindset, spiritually, whatever in their life, and went into a spiritual boot camp at a small house church. 
and grew for 18 months like crazy. Come back into Houston. I'd kind of been on the outside of Houston. Come back in, help launch a, a cool new church in Houston that had a lot of young professionals that were joining it. And at the same time, this thing called American Ninja Warrior popped in my lap. And as I heard about it and saw a, a clip of it, it just like sparked in my spirit almost immediately. Like that's that's the thing you should go for. And it reminded me of well, when I got into this journey of trying it, I, I realized this can be a very public humiliation and failure first just to, to try to audition and then get rejected, which I did. And I did get rejected the first year and then went for it again the next year and got rejected again. So it's like, it's, it's public failure for rejection. And then if you do get on part two is public failure for failing, which everyone does at some point on the show. And so then I experienced that. I finally did get on and I, I had some epic failures. So it was, it was kind of discouraging. And if I had the mindset that I had before really getting this identity renewal, then I would start going, this is too risky. Like I, I, all I'm doing is setting myself up for my identity being I'm failing. I'm not, I'm not successful at something. And so I would have bailed out of that. I would have played it safe and look for the place where I can look like I'm, I've got it together or I'm, I'm successful in some sense. But because that, that renewing of my mind had been happening, I, I felt the peace to continue to, to try this, to not give up, to not grow weary in, in doing good. And I, I felt a purpose in this, although I didn't know what it was. So as I progressed into my third year, I'm living overseas in Africa with my engineering job and doing some mission work on the side with some orphanages and some water well drilling companies. And so I also, I've traveled a lot. So I, I have a big adventure adventurous spirit and adventure background and at this point i've been to 35 countries and five continents and you know missions adventures engineering athletics a, a big mix of that but in 2016 as i'm living in africa i get a call from the production company that runs american ninja warrior and they're like hey congrats this year you've finally been accepted and so i'm like going going nuts and fly back like a month later to be part of the competition and, and do end up doing really well and having a you know, beating the first round, hitting one of the buzzers on Ninja Warrior, getting a TV feature, and then make it onto the national finals. And in there, well, from the TV feature, they talked about some of the mission work I was doing. And that led to a church calling me and asking me to come speak at their men's fall conference or something like that. So it, it opened the door to get into what I'd call the speaking world, which I was terrified of. I had, didn't want to do that, had no interest, had you know, I didn't like being in front of people. I was okay athletically kind of performing, but to speak, it terrified me. But I think God was using Ninja Warrior as a way to move me into that, that world of getting comfortable in that sense to be able to be a communicator, to be a speaker, to ultimately, you know, share his truths and do things like we're doing here. So I wouldn't have signed up for that if I had known that was more of the end game. I would have stayed away from it, but, you know, God's fun. He's funny like that the way he'll kind of pull us into places and then you get into it and everything changes and you're like, oh, this isn't what I signed up for, but okay. I, I see how you're in this and I'm going to keep moving forward. Yep. So that year it, it kind of led to some of the speaking side of things opening up. And, and at the same time, as I made it to the national finals, after the first couple of rounds, I get there thinking and hoping, man, maybe, maybe this is a year, maybe I'll beat this whole thing and win a million dollars and quit my job and I end up breaking my ankle the night before the finals and, you know, ends my season. And then I spend the next couple of years re-auditioning, getting on, and then barely missing the national finals. 
by like one spot. So I'm, you know, I'm in year four and five of this Ninja Warrior journey and, and things haven't quite taken off like I, I had hoped. And I'm still kind of doing these random mundane, you know, small town youth group meeting, speaking events and, and saw some impact in it, but also was like, I, I don't know what to do next, God, but I can't quit my job right now and launch out doing nothing. I don't know what to do. But at the same time, I, I didn't feel peace continuing on where I was in my, my corporate world. It just really controlled my life. And I didn't have the, the space to be more impact oriented, to be interruptible. And that's what was really on my heart, although I didn't know what it was going to look like. So that led me to eventually in 2019, after I lived in Norway and moved home back to Houston, taking another Africa assignment for like six months. I was like, it's, it's definitely time to, to quit this. And so I was just praying about it and felt like, all right, it's time to go. So I told my manager, hey, I'm, it's time for me to leave. You know, I'm, I can't really explain why. He's like, what are you going to do next? I'm like, I don't, I don't really know. You know, I'll, I'll keep trying to compete on Ninja Warrior, although that's not really a means to in the end. And I'm going to go do some mission work and figure it out, I guess. He's like, you're crazy, dude. Um, so I walk away from a high paying job and a lot of status in a, a top company. And that was July 2019. By October, November 2019, I'm kind of getting antsy and like I'm burning through my my savings and I'm like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know what's going to happen next. Um, I but but in that that year, I end up doing really well on Ninja Warrior and then make it to the national finals. And then for the first time, instead of breaking my ankle, beat the first round, end up on a miracle run in the second round where I, I beat it and advance to the last part where I have a chance to win the million dollars. And I, I barely miss out and don't finish. And I got crazy sick and had this wild food poisoning that I battled through and, and competed anyway. But I, that all ends in November. And I'm kind of like, all right, God, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh-oh, did I lose you? Nope, you're still here. My screen blinked. So I'm, it was the climax of the story. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then Cliffhanger. I get a, a phone call from a guy that kind of worked like as, as an agent. Okay. And he says, hey, there's this other TV show. I've never heard of it. You've never heard of it. It's in Latin America. It's called Ixatlan. It's on the Telemundo network, which shows in the US and in Latin America, but it's all in Spanish. And you should audition for a, one of the five spots for the guys. And it's all pro famous athletes, former Olympians, former pro soccer players, former or current MMA fighters and boxers. And he's like, you got a low shot of getting on, but it's worth a try. Long story short, I go for it. Had my friends praying, felt God, God kind of saying, yeah, this is the next spot. The door opens, I get on. We fly down to the Dominican Republic, January, 2020. And I end up spending seven months there competing on the show. Wow. You know, Ninja warrior obstacle course style competition in the day at night, more survivor style where we're staying in a shack in the woods with no air condition, no TV, no internet, no phone. I'd smuggle my Bible in and that's all we had for, I wouldn't say entertainment, but just like something to even read. Wow. It was kind of rough. And it was reality TV, so they had cameras in all the rooms. Or we had, we were in one big shack, but it was it was you know playing out every day on TV. It was kind of the Hunger Games feel. And long story short, I go through so many obstacles, if you want to call it that: injuries, disappointment, heartache, loneliness, you know, crisis of faith. 
And it was all things that I'd experienced in my Ninja Warrior journey with, with rejection, with injury, with disappointment, with failure, with learning to remember it's not about me and I'm here on mission. So God, how am I showing you through these situations, especially when they don't go well and especially when I get hurt and especially when I lose? Because it's easy to, you know, be like, yeah, God, when you win, right. a, little bit, a little bit more of a character test when things aren't going well. And so all I have to say, God had prepared me for years to be in this spot. And I got to live out this testimony. And at the end, I overcame a broken ankle, uh, thought it was a broken neck as well, and partial paralyzation, a partially torn Achilles, a lot of you know sickness on that show, and, and come back miracle after miracle that God worked. And then it was obvious to my competitors and my teammates and the audience, like, man, God's showing up here and this guy is all in. And by the end of it, I end up winning an SUV, then winning the entire TV show. And, you know, a lot of my, my peers in the show are like, man, Nate, you're, you're a good athlete, you know, and you were one of the above average athletes here, but you weren't the best. And they weren't being insulting. It was true. But we could see that, you know, this victory really came from God. And I'm like, yeah, I'm glad y'all see that because, yeah, it's not of my own strength to be able to do this. And I like to say not by might, not by power, but by God's spirit. And thank God, like his spirit was moving. I was to the best of my ability submitted to that and seeking to, to be a representation, be a voice. And so God got honored and blessed it. But it, that, that victory, which was my only real sports victory, was a big one. And it didn't come until I was 34 years old. Wow. So get out of that and have, you know, the one cool thing, you know, maybe even as we, we can close in some of the story, I call my manager and I, I my former manager at ExxonMobil, I'm saying, hey, I know you thought I was crazy. I kind of was. Let me tell you what happened. Like I get on the show and just miracle after miracle and I end up winning a lot of stuff, a lot of prizes and going through a lot of adversity. But by the end, I win this whole thing. I was like, I, I doubled my income, if you want to call it that, compared to what I made with wow. you guys in my company. And he's like, what? Man, how? He's like amazed and blown away and like, that's crazy. And then he goes, well, let me tell you what happened. And obviously in 2020, we had COVID shut down the world because of what that did to that business unit. He's like, I had to let almost everyone go. I would have had to let you go. Wow. Uh, everything got pulled out from under us. And he's like, so if you had stayed here, like I advised advised you to do, you would have lost this, and that that's a it, it gave me a life quote to live by, and it, it's that the riskiest thing we can do in life is playing it safe, and the same that Jesus says to us, you know, for those those of you that are willing to lose your life for my sake, you'll find it, but those that seek to hold on and cling to and control your life, just like I did ten years ago and and before that, those are the ones that are going to lose it. So nothing is guaranteed or promised in this life. And, you know, I've, I've learned I'm going to put all my eggs in the basket of, of accepting Jesus and then submitting to Jesus and trusting that whatever that looks like, whatever the highs and lows are, I can find joy in any circumstance. And that's what gives my life purpose and meaning. And, you know, you can sign up for that and, and realize life might get harder because then you be, become a target for the enemy because then you're doing something that's not in that complacency camp. Mm -hmm. And I would encourage people to say, like, if you haven't made that decision to go all in to, to really 
accept and submit to Jesus, to trust, first start questioning, like maybe there's some hurt or brokenness or, or poor conceptions of God that I have that yeah. I need to be healed and freed from. And I had to go through a lot of that. I saw my dad as an example of God. And, and my dad, while he was a good man, he was also a lot of anger, hyper-disciplined, didn't have any fun, grace, love, compassion. And so I saw God as like, man, anytime I make a mistake, the hammer's coming down and there's no fun. There's no love. There's no like, hey, I'm proud of you, my, my son. And I saw a lot of a, a version of God that didn't make me gravitate towards having a relationship with this person. It was just like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta tolerate this and I better behave. And so when God freed me of that and showed me a real affirmation of who I am as a child of God, just like you are, it freed me up and gave me a lot more of a place to operate from love and relationship and then apply discipline and, and structure and, and knowing that, man, God disciplines me because he loves me. And yeah. he, if he, if he didn't, you know, I don't, if there's a kid I don't have a relationship with, I'm not going to correct that kid, but my nieces and nephews, I got six of them. I love them and they know it and they get really cool gifts from me, but there's also times they're, they're acting a fool and, you know, I straighten them up because yep. I care about them because I want to see them grow and mature mm -hmm. and, and be able to learn how to discipline themselves, you know, self-discipline. It's one of the fruits of the spirit. So all that to say, like, my life is definitely not what I expected it to be, but that key pivotal moment of saying, all right, I'm all in God. And then I feel like every year I get a, a reminder or an opportunity to, to say it again, like, Oh, this, this is, this feels hard, but you know what? All right. I'm still all in. I trust you, God. And he hasn't told me yet. That is so powerful. And like, thank you for unpacking what happened 10 years ago and the journey that God has brought you through since. Um, and he's still bringing you through. You're still becoming Nate. Um, do you have time for one more question, Nate? Or yeah. do you have to run? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So as you introduced yourself, you had this Nate-ism um, called Katha Nate, right? Did I yeah. remember that correct? Okay. So what's your Katha Nation of choice? Ha, coffee. Yes. Coffee. Okay. How do you do Coffee's number one. How do I drink it? I, I like, I put honey. I'll put some kind of cream, okay. uh, cinnamon. And then now it's the fall. So if I can find some kind of pumpkin spicy thing that I consider healthy, I'm dropping it in, you know, call me a, a white sorority girl if you want to, but I'm about that life. I'm yeah. about that life. Okay. I feel like you were about to say what your second caffeine of choice is. Number, number two, Celsius energy drinks. I like those. Clean caffeine. I think it's a derivative of green tea. Okay. I like it. So that was a good one for me as well. Okay. So um, if you were having, we're going to go with the pumpkin spice latte option since we're filming your story in the fall. So if you were having a pumpkin spice latte, healthy, of course, with someone else on their own becoming journey, what would you say to encourage them? Hmm. Is that like those listening or watching right now? That's exactly. We're all drinking pumpkin spice lattes with you. Well, Cheers. I wish I had one. <laughs> As we sit here over a cup of coffee, talking about life, having fun. You know, one, one thing I like to remind myself is God doesn't call us to do something that's, that's misery or drudgery. It might be a season that's hard, but he gives us joy and passion. And so I've learned really as I've given my life more to God and let him refine me, I've also learned to pursue my passions, the things that excite me. The things that are like, that's kind of scary, but wow, 
man, what if God showed up in that? I don't want to look back and say that I realized that I played it safe too often. I want to know that I was willing to risk it. And so what I want to encourage y'all is be willing to take a risk. Don't play it safe. You know, just like I talked about playing it safe is the riskiest thing you can do. I, I would rather live with, with failure than live with regret. And so I, I try to set myself up into be places of, all right, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm uncomfortable. Like even now, I'm living in a place where I'm doing a lot more public speaking, preaching. I'm doing events. I'm, I'm trying to figure out this new lifestyle because I'm not working in my corporate job anymore. I'm in ministry, athletics, entrepreneurship, and it's uncomfortable. It's scary. And then I go, you know what? But that's, that's the cool part about life. I don't ever want to be in a place of comfort. I don't want to be in a place. I like comfort from here to here. From you know, time to time, my, my coffee is a nice comfort in the morning sitting out and watching the sunrise well not the sunrise i don't wake up that early um but morning so i, I just want to encourage everyone don't grow weary galatians 6 9 says don't grow weary in doing good for in due season if you don't give up you'll reap a harvest and that's a promise that i've been able to hold on to and eventually walk into and when i think about the harvest season which we we kind of just finished up the fall it's like harvest i i worked on a lot of farms and ranches and harvest season was a tough season because you had to work a lot. You're working sun up to sun down and you're, you're getting these good things that you've, you've earned, you know, reaping that harvest, but it's work. It's not sitting back and just watching money flow in it's work. So, so look at, look at the things we get to do in life. Even the work we get to do as a joy, like a, a blessing that we get to use our bodies, our minds, our talents, our gifts to, to glorify God, but to enjoy the things he's, he's placed before us. And when I keep that frame of mind, it makes life a lot more exciting, even if I'm in a bit of a, an un, uncertain situation or a mundane uh, season of life. So enjoy your coffee. Enjoy the simple things. Yes. Make the most of what you've got. Trust that God's continuing to work all things together for your good and his glory and never give up. Man, that is some wisdom over a pumpkin spice latte. I received that. Thank you. You know, somebody was watching your story, Nate, and they wanted to connect with you online. Where can they connect with you? Yeah, come check me out online. No Limits Nate is kind of my handle for Instagram, Facebook. You can find me on there. I'm getting out, getting into YouTube a little bit more. I've got a right. website, nolimitsnate.com. So if you want to connect, Instagram is probably the main place I hang out and post and share stuff about being in a different place every day it seems like literally tomorrow so yeah that's amazing and we'll have all the links in the show notes y'all so you can connect with nate no limits nate i love that that is so cool um, but thank you so much for sharing your story who you are who you're becoming um this was just so much fun and i'm cheering you on big time thank you all right thank you Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv.
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv.